If someone's wanting to put a blind out still this summer, how long is it going to take deer to get used to seeing that before they can hunt it? Or is it too late? I don't no, think it's too no, late. it's not too late. I think it depends on where you hunt, number mm-hmm. one, and how much pressure that you have around us uh, or around you and, you know, what type of intrusion there there is on maybe some neighboring properties, but it really doesn't take them that long. It almost seems like it acts as structure. And one of the outfitters over in Illinois used to talk about that, where they almost get to the point where they feel comfortable in and around it as a structural item. It is. Well, if there's trees out in the middle of your plot, they go to the tree. If there's legs to a blind, they'll go to legs to the blind. I don't know that they differentiate it. This segment of DOD TV is brought to you by Ram Trucks. Guts, glory, Ram. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Jury Outdoors 100% Wild Podcast. I am Tim Chelsvik. I'm Matt Jury, and yet again, we got Mark and Terry in with us. And they won't gonna... leave. Yeah, well, it is their place. So. <laughs> True. <laughs> we're just used to them not being here. <laughs> so cut back on fart noises. <laughs> no. <laughs> and we still got the, the iPad with all hor- horrible noises. You know they're it. taking it away from us after... After this show. <laughs> From my cold dead hands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if we did that, it would cut your podcast in half. So we'll probably let, <laughs> yeah. let you have it. Yeah, but content. it might increase the audience. <laughs> True. Yeah. Hey, I really, I we've gotten great feedback from this. Not from the female audience. The two nope. people that have heard it. We're down to one. Females, they hate it. One was mom. <laughs> yep. So maybe a half a person now. <laughs> I, I did let Willa listen to one the other day and, and she was not impressed with the sound effects. Huh. And I said, Matt giggles like a a little kid when he plays those things. I mean, maybe it's just me. <laughs> he just wanted to be a morning drive time DJ. That's what yeah. I said the first yeah. time yeah. I heard. Mm-hmm. Hey, if we end up with like three listeners out of this deal, like we've improved it, I it's a win for everybody. Yeah, I'll tell you what, us know. Mark and I would like to hear the feedback on these these sound effects and yes. see whether or not we should be or should not be doing them. Yes, Go for you it. can okay. you can privately. Let us know in the public comments <laughs> on the next podcast. <laughs> so, yeah, on YouTube or in DeerCast or wherever you're going to watch this, let's hear the comments on the sound effects. Soundboard, yay or nay. Yeah. Thumbs up or thumbs down. Because it can and will go away. So just let us know. <laughs> if nay, we can give you these guys' telephone numbers. You can call them. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. yeah. Luckily, we know that these guys probably don't listen to every podcast. So <laughs> just give it a couple weeks. We never miss it, guys. <laughs> we never changing. miss it. Once we're on. <laughs> when he we were said, there, number what? 168 or nine? Wow. Yeah. I it was yeah. Like 11 or 12. Yeah, I saw guys. three. Yeah, we're plugging along. Don't mind us. Every week we're churning out Pounding the content. away. That's right. Well, we wanted to talk to you guys about what you've got going on right now at this point in the summer. We're, a, we're over a month away. Well, yeah, over a month away still from the September 15th opener here in Missouri. But what's on your radar? What's important to you at this point? You know what? We're on a little bit of cruise control right now. We're still maintaining, trying to make sure that, uh, you know, the weeds don't get out of control. So we're doing yeah. a little bit of that, some spot spraying and what have you. But pictures, pictures, and more pictures right now. I mean, we are really monitoring our cameras. The Reconics picks are, are coming back and watching the growth, watching the development, looking for this buck, looking for that buck, who made it through, where's 
is he at? Why did he disappear? So on and so forth. Same thing we usually go through. All the sets have been trimmed. You know, all the um, straps have been checked. Everything's been done as far as getting ready for the season. All the blinds have been cleaned. So we're kind of a little bit on cruise control if there if there is such a thing. Let me ask you. So you know, given the tree stand accident a few years ago, do you guys have a different off season? Because that was a set that just hadn't been checked in a while. Is there a different off season regimen you go through now? Yeah, that regimen's pretty pretty rigid. I will say that all, all either new straps or straps that were, you know, put up last year, we went with a thousand pound straps instead of those three fifty or five hundreds. We went all, all of the heavier or the heaviest straps we could find. And I think they make a 1200 maybe for additional security. Yes. Not the single that you get. That's correct. In addition to, and safe lines everywhere, making sure all of those are secure. Uh, just, you know, the, the general rule of thumb safety first, we're just being more cautious than ever. Well, and that deal with the, the accident was such a weird fluke and that's how they all are it's and that's why it's an accident but the step you know an old step and a dead part of a tree it's hard to kind of predict something like that did you guys end up switching to like a ladder system in in all your sets or yeah yes for the most part we have ladders on all of them and uh on that particular one so everybody knows i had my harness on but i didn't have a safe line in that tree because it had been a while since we had visited that Mm -hmm. set and we just didn't have a safe line in it uh had we had one i'd have been lanyard off and hooked in and but uh we just didn't have one and step popped out of the tree went to the ground somebody doesn't know terry took a fall yeah three falls ago 17 17, 17, 17, seasons ago so yeah it uh changes changes everyone's perspective a little bit and not that it, you know, we should have probably been doing some of these steps before, but we grew up in an age, you know, 35, 40 years ago, you climbed the tree, didn't have safety belt on. You know, I remember when we were climbing with those old Baker style uh, climbing tree stands. You yeah. Know? And, and I'll be honest, a little embarrassed to say that I didn't have a safe line in that tree, but it had been a while since we'd been to it. And, uh, you know, the, there's really no excuse to be quite honest. Well, there's yeah. no, no excuse whatsoever. I think, and, and don't quote me on this, you have to check out the guidelines, but I believe it. they say like, hey, after a couple of weeks after you're done using a set, you need to take it down. Sure. So that's, that's um, you know, Th- that's what they recommend just so that's out there. But anyways, the other thing that you guys do started doing that I really like, you put a, what, like an eye bolt in the tree as mm-hmm. an additional possibility for you to lean your to the tree once you're in there. So you safe line up and you can, if you don't want to stay on the safe line, you could lean your to an eye bolt that you guys put some sort of coating on. Yeah. Like we a rubber them. coating. Huh. And, and it's just a little quicker. You know, it takes a little bit to get the strap around there if you're trying to strap in. A lot of guys stay stay lanyard off to line. their safe line. Yeah. yeah. But sometimes that doesn't work depending on whether you have one or two, you know, we're two guys climbing. So sometimes that gets a little bit yeah. in the way if, mm-hmm. if you're not careful trying to climb in or climb out with two guys in the same tree. Yeah. So uh, in some of those, we've just got the eye bolts that are dipped. And the moment you unhook from your from your safe line, you hook right into the uh, eye bolt. Is the dip to keep the quiet when yeah. you yes. put the carabiner on? Okay. Yes. It's yeah. nice. I and, and the Well, the stand that we killed gnarly out of was one like that. Right. I had not been out of, I right. had not hunted one of those stands like that before that. It's, it's nice. Smart. You feel very safe in it because that you, I mean, you tug it's on stout. that thing. It's, yeah. it's in there really well. Yeah. So, so, but we're, you know, we're having this conversation and I think back, like, I don't even hunt out of trees very much anymore. Like I'm yeah. in blinds and, you know, part of it's safety and part of it's being able to put it exactly where I want it. You know, there's sure. never a tree right where you want one, you know, yeah. almost never. And I'm so 
anal about the access in and out and where I want the deer coming to and whatnot. Like I'm, I just more and more and more, I'm popping up more and more in buddy blinds. Yeah. We get a lot of crap for that as a company, the evolution of how we hunt now, food plots and, and box blinds, but it is just, a, it's been an evolution. To it get is. To that point. You know, I'm results driven and the results are there, <laughs> you know, I mean, they're there out of those blinds. Yeah. You just, there's just something about being able to sit where you want to, as opposed to where mother nature tells you, you can sit, you know, I, I, would, I, really I would say there's a few people that have succumbed to that thought because I'm seeing blinds oh, everywhere. Yeah. yeah, you drive any, you drive to your hunting camp, you look out on the landscape of the country, the Midwest, and they're dotted with, yeah. with there are. going up to the least. There's a spot during in the river bottoms there. You see, there's one area where maybe maybe it's a mile long. You probably might see six blinds. Yeah. Like it's just boom, 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 boom. Yep. I mean, it's definitely a strategy that people have taken taken to in general. A, Go ahead, Tim. I was going to say there's a cottage industry of guys making their own blinds too. Yes, JJ yeah. and yes. Kyle had Shantylicious or whatever that they built and that they built ro- themselves. Ro- rolled yeah, out. Right? Yeah, yeah. Like, probably got tetanus from it, but it yeah. works. Yeah. So, you know, I was going to say that from a safety standpoint, not only is it it's nice for the adult, but so many guys are taking their kids now. Yep. You yeah. know, and you're not having to subject them to being in a tree stand and getting a safety line on them and all that. And it's and having hunting, kids up in general longer and through different weather yeah. conditions and all that. So or with other people, you know, yeah. it's not yeah. so convenient to put two or three stands in a tree. Whereas, mm-hmm. hey, let's all four of us go tonight. You know, I mean, yes. you can do that in a blind. Well, we it's got kind of makes it a little more social. Got to experience that firsthand last fall and the year before that. We t- took Cameron once, but uh, it's amazing because we were sitting out in some pretty brutally cold stuff in December. And with the blind, even having to keep one window open, putting a little little buddy heater or whatever they're called, Mr. Buddy Heater, it's not that bad with a few layers on the kid. I mean, you would never have been able to just sit in the tr- I remember hunting with you back in the day yeah. and you had even built a, you know, a homemade blind. You set me out on the open air side of it and you saw it back in the corner. That <laughs> Sorry was, about that's a windbreak. Yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> I just remember freezing my butt off. You know, it was yeah, miserable. Brutal. I did not care for that hunting in general. Just that experience to me was not a fun <laughs> one. <laughs> miserable. <laughs> Dad would fall asleep. I would look, look, look. We never saw anything. <laughs> and I, I just got cold. Sure. <laughs> well, it's because your clothes were so high tech. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. You know, you had like a pair of Carhartt type right. of, you know, yeah. bib overalls. And that was and it. an uninsulated rubber boot with yeah. wet feet. <laughs> yes, yes. Boy, there were some days in Iowa, man. I, I brutal talk about freezing, man. We've had some back in the day because we didn't really start hunting, you know, enclosures or blinds until the last 10, 12 years. Yeah. Something like that. So we had another couple decades there where we were three three decades decades, where we were hunting in tree stands solely and froze literally to death many, many times. It feels like once you bought the current farm you have there near Kirksville, that's when we started with the homemade blinds is kind of, that's what I feel like is the kind of start of it. And, and the reasoning behind that was because Taylor, she was maybe mm-hmm. six or seven years old at that mm-hmm. time. And Absolutely. we, we got the wild hair to try and build some blinds so she could sit on the floor and shoot and all that stuff. And no question. And she, I think she killed her first and, two or three deer there. And those the, blinds. the terrain we're hunting is always rolled. Mm-hmm. So yes. you want to get out on the hump where all the deer are, and it just makes it a lot easier yeah. to get your height up there where yeah. you can see them a lot better. So, so I'm, I'm sold on them. I mean, I, I love that, that muddy bull. And we've gotten to the point now with our scent control between scent-free showers with all of the different, you know, soaps and scent-free spray you can get from HS to scent crushing everything on a daily basis, a daily regimen, and then getting into that blind and keeping those windows closed, man, we have killed some downwind deer in the That's last That's the amazing years. thing to me that you could 
we've killed a seal pile yourself of in here. Yeah, the hard Incredible. part is opening up. <laughs> Just from it is a, yeah. from a perspective, <laughs> it really of, is. You can't, you know, they make them pretty silent, yeah. but they're still inherently your release aid or something like oh, yeah. knocks something else. Sounds like you're yeah. speaking from experience. Yeah. <laughs> Attack cam hits a window <laughs> and hits it again. Again, <laughs> these types of things happen. <laughs> can't be happening. <laughs> the R- one time. Can I you run that B roll? <laughs> Please. Please. But Please. you know the. You would, a lot of what I had noticed for me, the aha moment is the difference of that spot on the lease, the staging plot. I've sat it three years before in a tree stand and what level of our amount of deer I would see versus last year we moved the, bl- the blind there and the l- amount of deer and bucks that we saw was night and day. It and wasn't close. even close. It wasn't yeah. even, it wasn't even so a contest. It shows you how much you're affecting them yeah. without controlling so many elements of the hunt. Well, yeah. and we would hunt where we felt like it was on the right wind, perfect. We, in perfect conditions. And it just wasn't perfect. You know, the, that's a top of a hill. And you know, at the end of the night, you know, that you're sliding, sliding. Sliding down. not only that deer coming up a hill that you don't see yeah. yet or catch a movement in that tree. I mean, there's so many things, yeah. so many advantages they have over us and those blinds really help even the playing field a little bit. Yeah. If so. someone's wanting to put a blind out still this summer, how long is it going to take deer to get used to seeing that before they can hunt it? Or is it too late? I don't no, think it's, no, it's not too late. I think it depends on where you hunt, number one, and how much pressure that you have around us or around you and, you know, what type of intrusion there there is on maybe some neighboring properties. But it really doesn't take them that long. It almost seems like it acts as structure. And one of the outfitters over in Illinois used to talk about that, where they almost get to the point where they feel it. comfortable in and around it as a structural item. It is. Well, if there's trees out in the middle of your plot, they go to the tree. If there's yeah. legs to a blind, they'll go to the legs of the blind. I don't know that they differentiate it that much, yeah. you know, and, and on my farm, they are a tree because every deer that's come oh, no. through there has seen multitude of these blinds. And therefore, when a new one pops up, it's just like a tree in, in all honesty, because they're not used to catching scent out of them because more often than not, they're empty. And when yeah. we are there, we're very controlled with our scent. I mean, I killed danger within like three or four days of, of sliding it into the woods and killing sure. there, you know, so and he didn't he didn't think a thing of it. So. Yeah. Certainly, the earlier the better, mm-hmm. uh, but don't be afraid to put one up, brush it in, and, and hunt it, you know, three or four days later. Okay. At least three or four, mm-hmm. I would say. Well, I remember back, you know, a decade ago, hunt, hunting over in Pike County in an outfitter, and they would ha- they had their blinds on slides. They'd move yes. them to wherever they needed them all the time. So, you know, you'd see deer. Absolutely. You know, maybe that first night out wouldn't be as ideal, but they, they might- I up a little differently. Why I love that Omega lift from Keen, man. You can yeah. put it wherever you want it. You yeah. know, instead of like, instead of investing in a blind and going, well, I'm stuck to this farm on this wind. When you really, there's a big investment in the blind. If you pay a little bit more and put it on a trailer, you can move that sucker to a lot of different places and get a lot more use mm-hmm. out of each blind. Particularly yeah. as your food source starts to go away. You know, yes. if there if yeah. there's browse pressure on one end, and then all of a sudden, you, you know, the main food source is right here. You want to move that blind to where you're at least on top of it. You Absolutely, know? that's what we did last year and and the year before. It just gave us the ability to move it into spots late season where maybe I could convince the farmer to to leave me a couple acres on the corner of the property i had no way to hunt that part so you move in the trailer with a blind on top of it and all of a sudden you're you're set and ready to go for the right exact wind you need in the late season you know big time middle of a field so there there are a lot of advantages there absolutely so we got any questions of the day today tim we have one from staff sergeant burnett a question of the day is proudly brought to you by bass pro shops and cabela's your adventure starts here 
Hey, my name is uh, Staff Sergeant Burnett. I'm a recruiter down here in Portsmouth, Ohio, Southern Ohio. Um, I'm just wondering, how close to a deer rub or to a deer scrape should you uh, hang a hang a tree stand? Thanks. Perfect. That was good and brief. Well, first of all, thank you for your service. Hundred percent. God bless yep, absolutely. you. Absolutely. Yeah, big time. Standing ovation. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. So you know that one, I, and I don't know what your thoughts are, but I, I'm not as um, maybe as keyed in on rubs anymore as we used to be many years ago. But a rub to me now is just a spot where a deer happened to stop, unless it's unless it's one of those major major rubs that are you know maybe in the center of a bunch of uh, spoke effect where there's a lot of trails coming to mm-hmm. it. But for the most part, I disregard the rubs to a certain extent. You know, provided the deer are there and you got pictures of bucks, what I key in on are the scrapes. And I mean, I'm I'm within a lot of times or oftentimes within 17, 18 yards or a really, really easy chip shot and situating a stance or cutting limbs to make sure that he's either quartering away or broadside when he's at that scrape or walking from one scrape to the next scrape. We literally will go down the edge of a field and cut off all of those overhanging limbs, except the limbs that I want him to go and scrape at this one hmm. and then walk in front of my set and scrape at that one. We do that often. It's brilliant. Likewise, so goes back to structure, right? Yeah, it's structure. And to his point, you know, if they're at like 25 and in, that'd be my preference, 30 Mm -hmm. and in. Mm -hmm. And uh, if I don't have a scrape, you know, close, or if it's not where I want it, I'll cut that one off and I'll put scrape trees out there. And I have really good luck with those scrape trees out in the middle of a plot. One right here, one right here. Both of them at about 25. When he passes, he's 20 to 23. And I like that distance. I like that angle. So guys that like, you know, hanging on a, a traditional rub line, you know, or you'll see, you know, four or five big rubs all in a row. Maybe, maybe it's more of like a rut type of a situation. So you uh, do a hang and a hunt, you know, right there. I, I think rubs, like Terry said, they're just happenstance. You know, are they marking their territory? Probably. But in reality, when I see deer rubbing, it's just he's in the mood to rub right then and there when he hits that particular spot. But what I do pay attention to, especially during shed season or tracking a deer when you're in the cover, if you see clusters of rubs, that's mm-hmm. telling you there's a buck that's standing, at, staying in that spot a lot. So I think rubs, when they're clustered, especially if they're decent size, can help you identify certain bedrooms or certain bedding activity yeah. for big whitetails. Agreed. Great. And timing is everything when you're trying to hunt those clusters. Absolutely. Because you, you want to try and get in there without bumping bumping him out of there. And you don't know yeah. if he's in that bedroom yet or not. Mm-hmm. So it can be precarious hunting those rubs. Scrapes, if you have the opportunity at a food source or even on a logging road, sometimes it's a little bit easier to get to them. Does, how does time of year impact how you hunt scrapes or does it? Yeah, I, I, you know, that end of October in Missouri, northern Missouri, there is always really, really good for Death scrapes. On. Yeah, and even this year we've got a full moon on, you know, the first of October and I think the thirty first. So we got mm-hmm. two full moons in October. So that period leading up to that first of October, there's going to be a few deer hitting scrapes, just not like uh, that end of October. Sure. And he mentioned one thing on on his scrape trees that he places out in the middle of those food plots. I like to take a saw and then put a big shining rub on those on those scrape trees as well, just to let them know from a distance at 200 or 250 yards, they can see it. It's almost like a little road sign out there for them. For about guys doing that on public land? To- yeah. 
that turn people onto the wrong trail. <laughs> oh, really? So yeah, you want to hunt vicious, over here. Vicious tactics. Yeah, it's evil. Vicious tactics. Evil genius. Tim, <laughs> make sure it's realistic. To I've just heard this. Shed yeah. antler with you and do it right. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Might be there a while. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks, uh, Staff Sergeant Burnett, for your question. If you want to leave a question for us, just click the link in the show notes, click the send voicemail tab, and leave your name, location, and what you want to know. And again, thank you for your service. Absolutely. We appreciate it greatly. So, you know, that's, you know, before the fall hits, we would probably be able to get these guys in for maybe like another podcast or two. Maybe we ask guys if they have specific questions for Mark or Terry, you know, or we could do a separate podcast because that's, we don't really ever do that where we ask for a specific guest questions for that guest. So that was a good question. Yeah. Just a heads up. Absolutely. It's a great question. Let's, let's hear it. Let's do it. Okay. Wildlife word. Yeah. Let's hear it. (laughs) Why not? You said we got a sound sound effect for the wild. It's it's close. It's that one. All right, there we go. <laughs> We're rolling in. Okay, so um, so I'm going to give you a. De- it's, it's a little different this time. I'm going to give you a definition, and then uh, and then you see if you can come up with what the uh, what the multiple choice is that re- that corresponds to that. So when a buck holds his neck and chin upward at a 45 degree angle, opens his mouth slightly, curls his upper lip, closes his nostrils. He said to be performing a Fleming response. What is the purpose of the Fleming response? Is it A, the intimidation of a rival buck? B, echolocation of a hot doe? C, the urinalysis of a hot doe? Or D, showing his subordinates? Or E, posing for a picture after you just killed him. <laughs> because that's really <laughs> the best position angle. to have <laughs> What do you think, guys? Intimidation of a rival buck, echolocation of a hot doe, the urinalysis of a hot doe, or showing I think it could be any of those. I I see bucks do that often. You would probably automatically pick A because you see it oftentimes. They'll snort wheeze and and do that response at at another buck or a younger buck, an immature buck. Uh, But you see them do it at does as well. You see them do it, yeah. Pretty frequently, actually. Yep. Yep. And that's that's exactly what's what's happening. And, and and so it's C, the urinalysis of a hot doe, and big cats will do this. Um, horses will do it, and they're pulling in air. Usually uh, around a doe that's hot, they're pulling in air into that vomeral nasal organ that's up in there. And they love it. And they're <laughs> they're, they're checking to see if she's ready to I roll. waited all year for this. <laughs> I, mean, I waited all year for this. And I go, exactly. that's her. <laughs> <laughs> but it makes sense you, that you would see that and that you would think that it's also maybe an intimidation of a rival buck because they're doing it probably when there are other bucks around. Yeah. We see it quite a bit, actually. Yeah, I see them, that action quite often. Sure. Yeah. And part of it is the number of deer that are on the field, you know. Yeah, for sure. It's a high density. You'll see that more often. Mm. All right. Changing lives with the wildlife word. That's right. That was a good word, Tim. That was a good one. That was probably one of the better ones. One of the better ones. Yeah. (laughs) I was actually interested. (laughs) (laughs) Actually applied. The best you can hope for is a backhanded compliment. I will take that, sir. (laughs) Good job, Tim. (laughs) All right. Well, why don't we shut this thing down, huh, guys? I don't think we have anything else to promote. Just uh, tune in next time. I always got something to promote, Tim. (laughs) Speaking of. (laughs) I'd like to just continue to remind people that all of our new shows are airing on the Outdoor Channel. Heck yeah. Uh, 13 critical mass and bow madness 
Uh, we're probably in week probably eight or so right now, week seven, eight, I would say by the time this airs. Yeah, so halfway through the season, a lot of good content hitting, getting ready to hit. And as always, check out DeerCast. We're ramping up further and further and further with the team, the amount of posts, the fan shares, the content going in there. It's awesome, yeah. man. So we're dialing it in and we're getting ready for the fall. And as you start to create your plans for putting in food plots and all that stuff, check out the weather side of what DeerCast has to offer. Laying out the map for you. So articles, daily articles. We should also remind people that now you can share content directly from DeerCast. Yeah. So if you saw an article or a video in there previously that you're like, oh, I wish I could share it to Facebook, you can do that now by hitting the little share button next to the like and comment buttons. So you can do that. We've also given you your own feed in DeerCast. It's the My Posts tab. So you click that, it'll show you everything that you've ever uploaded to DeerCast. DeerCast, so it's your own personal customized nice. feed. All right. They say content is king, and DeerCast is full, full of, of content. content. It really is. Those yes. news feeds, the articles and, and stuff, they're so informative. How many are we well up written. to now? How many total articles? 700 and something in the, in the teens. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. That's a lot. It's exciting. That's a lot. And all of them are, you know, They're nice. really, really good. Staff of writers. Very informational. Very yeah. good. Great staff of writers. Yep. Heck yeah. 100%. Yep. They knocked it out of the park. All right. So if you can't learn something from it, <laughs> we can't help you. <laughs> the other we're, way. Tr- we're trying. <laughs> I can't read. <laughs> I can't read. <laughs> Why don't we end it there? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thanks for watching, everyone. All right. Thank you. Very Thank much. you. Peace out.